It is great to see you all here this morning as we worship the Lord's Day on this Christmas Eve. And thank you for proving yet again that this, this church family will always go earlier. So, yeah. No, nowhere else that I've ever been would I think, oh, you know, it would be awesome on Christmas Eve, sunrise. And yet... <laughs> Here you are. And I have to say, it feels a little bit more like Christmas Eve this morning um, driving in than, the, than it often does. So it was, it was dark and uh, had headlights on and everything. And so it is. It's Christmas Eve, but it's a reminder, too, that we worship the resurrection of our Jesus every Sunday. And I just wanted to take just a, a few minutes this morning to just center us around um, why we are celebrating here this morning. You know, the world talks a lot about peace this time of year. I don't know how many of you, um, let's just for fun, because it's the 8 a.m. service. How many of you, uh, you're going to have three choices here. How many of you are fans of Hallmark Christmas movies? You don't have to be embarrassed. There's, I mean, there's some embarrassing things about it, but not that embarrassing. How many of you, like, do not like Hallmark Christmas movies? Okay. How many of you like them, but only because you get to make fun of them? Yes, that's my tribe. Those are my people. The thing about those movies, the reason why they draw people in so much, the reason why they make dozens of them and why people watch them, even though they're the exact same story, every single one, is because we are lured in by this promise of peace during this time. We're lured in by this idea of, of just sitting, able to sit by the fire, drinking hot chocolate, strolling through streets, going in and out of shops with no pressure and no timelines. But the reality for most of us is that this season is hardly peaceful at all. We are drawn to those things because it's luring us to something that we aren't experiencing. The pressure of consumerism and the rush of numerous gatherings and the pain of loss make what we see on those TVs even more fictional. The reality is that for many of us, even many of us gathering in this room right now and certainly many in our community, the holiday season is the least peaceful time of all. But it goes beyond just the holidays. In all my years of ministry and asking people, how are you, I can count on one hand the number of times someone has responded, I'm at peace. I feel peaceful. I feel content. And yet few things are promised more in the Bible than peace in Christ. So where did it go? Well, it's been stolen. It's been taken but not by the culture, not by our circumstances, by ourselves. And when I have looked in my own life and in others' lives, the biggest thieves of peace that I have seen are regret over the past, stress and overwhelm over today, and worry about tomorrow. And these are things that that can't even be fixed, even if we find ourselves during this season in a little snippet of a hallmark moment. But there is good news. There is a deeper peace 
that is offered and declared at Christmas, one that goes beyond Hallmark movies, a piece that is not one of sentimentality or just putting things aside for a few days or simply gathering with family. It's a piece that pierces through the grief of regret and the torment of the present stress and worry over tomorrow, a peace that is restored by remembering that in Jesus Christ, in the incarnation, we remember that he has delivered us from our past, that he is delivering us in our present, and that he will deliver us tomorrow. He has delivered us from our past. God's people, we know, waited for this deliverer, waited for the day that they would be set free, and we talk a lot about how they thought that was in earthly terms, They thought their problem were other nations and other peoples trying to uh, hold them captive and that that's what they would be set free from. We talk a lot about that actually God was coming to set them free from an even greater, greater threat. That they realized that their battle was against their own flesh, their wandering hearts that chased after other gods. And in Jesus the Messiah, we're finally set free from our greatest enemy, that of our sinful flesh. It goes all the way back to the garden that we have rebelled against the true king and his kingdom. And that that rebellion, believing that we are better gods than God, that rebellion has wreaked havoc on the entire world and has brought in every form of evil. And then to make matters worse, not only is it through our own sinful pride and flesh that all the evil has entered the world we then blame God for what we have done making war where there was meant to be peace and the Bible describes our our relationship with God as one that was at war and any true king would be justified as Jesus comes to earth to reconcile and to bring peace. Any true king would be justified in wiping those rebels off of the face of the earth. In fact, in today's world, we would cheer that on, the righteous king coming and destroying all those who have brought evil and pain and destruction to the world. But instead, God, being rich in mercy, has offered reconciliation with the rebels. So look at what Paul says in Colossians 1, talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. See, he's establishing his kingdom. Like he is king, the righteous and true king. Verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, 
who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister." He establishes Christ as the true king and all the evil and the brokenness in the world due to our rebellion. But instead of Jesus coming to earth and declaring war on the rebels, he instead comes as a baby and makes peace. And he doesn't make peace. Do you catch that? He doesn't make peace by just teaching us to be nice to one another, to be kind and to be gentle. He makes peace by the blood of the cross. So looking back, we have peace over past regret because our sins are forgiven and paid for and made right. If you weren't here last week and if that is registering with you and you have questions about well, what does that look like, I would encourage you, you can go online, you can listen to last week's message. But the reality is this, that Jesus came to make peace by the blood of the cross, forgiving our sins, making right what was wrong. So whatever you regret from yesterday, peace is offered to you in Christ. We also have peace today. Because even if we can feel peace for the, the past and our regret, what about today? What about right now? Like, why do I not feel very at peace? Like, if we really understood what God had done for us, like, wouldn't that completely transform us? And yes, it would, and it does. And yet we still are at battle, living in this already not yet, asking ourselves, like, why do I get so agitated and frustrated with others? Why do I let these things bother me? Why does God feel distant? Why do I still struggle with sin? I hear this all the time on, on Sundays, especially when we hear God's word and we hear it and we respond to it and we say, like, why does this not last in me? And we're constantly reminded that, yes, Jesus has delivered us, but we feel far from being a finished work. We are in this already and not yet state. And Paul says to the church in Corinth, Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain." Did you catch that? The gospel is that which they received, past tense, in which they stand, and by which they are being saved in the present. It's a really interesting thing because we often communicate salvation as a past event, and yet the Bible talks about it as past, present, and future. You have been saved in Christ. You are being saved and you will be saved. So he's saying you are being saved by this gospel. And it's another promise of the incarnation that he's delivered us, but he is delivering us in this ongoing work of sanctification. 
And this brings peace today because we realize there's a reason why we're here right now. There's a reason why we deal with the things that we're dealing with. And it's because God is sanctifying us and preparing us to be with him for all eternity. If that wasn't the case, then he would just take us all home right now. But there is a reason. It means that everything that we go through, every trial that we point to that says, that steals my peace, God actually means for it to deepen our peace. Every sinful reaction that we have is a reminder of our need for the gospel and the peace that comes with it. Every moment of weakness we have in our faith is a reminder that we are dependent on the strength of Christ and his strength brings us peace. Every opportunity to exercise faith is an opportunity to abide in Christ, which brings us peace. Every point of suffering is an opportunity to share in the sufferings of Christ, which brings peace. See, every moment the enemy uses to try to steal our peace is meant by God to deepen our peace. And those of you in this room who have dealt with great suffering and trial and loss can testify that in strangely, in those moments, my guess is that you have experienced some of the deepest, most otherworldly peace you have ever known. What the enemy has meant for evil, God has meant for good. Every moment that we live is a moment that God is showing us that Christ is everything. And the closer we walk with Christ, the more we become like him and the more we feel his peace. And it does feel slow. And we get frustrated even with ourselves of why, why do I not feel that more? Why do I forget that peace? And I just want to encourage you. See, when I, was, when I was a kid, I hated cleaning my room, which I know is rare. My children love cleaning their rooms. So great. And it wasn't that I was lazy. I mean, it was probably some that I was lazy. But it was more that I just would get so overwhelmed. It just looked like too big of a mess. And I would sit in the corner of my room and just kind of be there and just be overwhelmed at how, how much there was to do and how there's no way I could ever get done. And I'm so thankful for my mom because my mom was always so patient with me. And she would celebrate any small victory. And when I would protest, it was like, that's nothing. Like, I've hardly done anything. She would say this phrase to me. She would say, progress is our most important ally. I want you to hear something, church. Some of you are struggling because you're looking at the mess of your spiritual life and you look at maybe what you have been through and what you are dealing with now and with your sanctification and you look and you just feel like there's too much to do and that surely God is going to get tired of it and he will never make you into the image of Jesus. I want you to hear what Paul says to the church in Corinth, he said, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
See, it is very true that if you want to grow in Christ, then you have to be honest about your sin. We have to be honest about our sin. We can't justify or defend and deflect, so that is very true, but also we need to be honest about our growth. We need to give glory to God for what he has done in us. That the progress that has grown in our hearts and in our lives, that we would glorify him for it. Is there evidence that God is working in you right now? One of my friends here at church often says, I'm not who God wants me to be yet, but thank God I'm not who I was. Can you say that? Do you see growth? Or do you just hear the enemy's voice saying, not good enough yet? Still working on that? If you really loved God, you would do this. Or do you hear the testimony of the Holy Spirit inside of you? For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Listen, the two ditches that we often fall in is one ditch just claiming that we're Christian because one day I prayed a prayer, was baptized, or I just believed generically in God. That does not save you. does not make you a Christian. Dying to yourself and taking on the life of Christ, surrendering yourself fully and following Jesus, that's what makes you saved and adopted as sons in God, the work of the sons and daughters of God, the work of Christ on the cross and laying it all out and going all in and just saying, Christ, I am yours. That's what saved you. So that's, that's one ditch we often fall into. But the other ditch for those, especially those who are in Christ, are constantly shaming ourselves and denying the work of Christ and denying what we see, the spirit that is bearing witness in ourselves Every moment you feel conviction, every moment you feel sense of peace, every moment you see, oh, I responded this way today, and that's not how I responded yesterday, and you see those moments of growth, those are testimonies that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we belong to God. We are his children, and if that is you, if you have that Spirit testifying to that as you pursue him and you're being shaped from one degree of glory to another, then rejoice and be at peace. And then be at peace as you look toward the day where he will make all things new. That the growth that you have experienced, if you look back on your life and you say, thank God I am not who I once was, it is just a taste of things to come. A tiny taste. He has so much more. And again, Paul, pointing back to this, says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. No stone will be unturned. No little corner of your heart will be undeveloped or undealt with. He will present you. He will present you as holy and blameless before our God. It is incredible. That is his promise. And like we said last week, that trustworthiness of that promise is found in his character, not in us being able to make sense 
of what that would be like to stand before God and be declared righteous because of Jesus Christ. He has begun a work in you. Last week I cited one of my favorite passages, Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. The following two verses are this. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. The life of Christ becomes our life when we abide in him. His righteousness becomes our righteousness and his peace becomes our peace. So be at peace. What do you regret about your past? Find peace in the work of the cross to forgive and to bring true justice. What are you stressed about today? Find peace in his power to sanctify. You can have peace in the midst of the storms because he is using those storms and forming you into his image. What are you worried about tomorrow? Find peace in his, fulfill, his faithfulness to bring it all to fulfillment, to complete the work that he started. If he died for you when you were his enemy, how much more confident can you be that he will save you as his children? Church, he has come. He is here. And he will return. So be at peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we celebrate Christmas that we don't have to rely on sentimentality and fireplaces and hot chocolate to bring us peace. That we can remember all that you have done in making peace through the blood of the cross. All that you are doing today, making peace in the midst of the storms of life, forming us into your image, that we would not only find peace, that we would be at peace. And peace knowing that you are faithful to complete the work that you have started in us, bringing us fully into your presence, experiencing true joy and true peace forevermore. Amen.